Yeah, so it's good to be with you. David uh, has had nothing but good things to say of, of uh, you all. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to my time, and I've already enjoyed, yeah, the music and, and, uh, and worshipping God with you. David mentioned that you were in a, a psalm series, Messianic Psalms, and not long after his accident, he, he asked me if I had, I think it was during the night, we called him and he was in, in hospital, and he asked me if I had a sermon on Psalm 2. And thankfully, uh, I did. And David actually helped me prepare this, this uh, sermon years ago when I was with him at Ann Street. So he's with us here in a way. Uh, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll get into looking at, looking at the psalm. Lord, uh, yeah, we, we ask for your help now. Pray that you would be working through your word. And we pray that the Lord Jesus would be lifted up. Lord, we do pray for David and pray that you would bring him back here soon. And we thank you for his ministry and his faithful ministry over the years in, in Hobart and in Brisbane and back in London as well and how you've used him. And we know if, uh, if he was here, uh, he'd be wanting uh, Jesus to be lifted up. So we pray that would happen now uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you, might, you might have heard that, that popular Christmas song, I Saw Mummy Kissing Santa underneath the mistletoe last night. I was just listening to it before. It's a, it's a terrible song, actually. But uh, the original was by, uh, recording was by Jimmy Boyd in, the, in 1952. I think he was 13 at the time when he sung the song and it reached number one in the charts. Uh, he sounds about six, though, when you listen to the recording. And, uh, and this recording, that, this song that he did was condemned by the Catholic Church in, in Boston. Uh, it was on the grounds that it mixed uh, uh, kissing with Christmas. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, kissing and Christmas go together. That's what we're going to see tonight. It, the Bible actually commands you to kiss someone for Christmas. Did you know that? I don't know if you did. Uh, even if you're not really the kissing type or you're not one to show much affection. Psalm 2 commands us to kiss God's Son. Uh, look at verse 12. Uh, if you've got your Bible open there, it says, Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. And now we're going to look at it. What, what, what does that actually mean? And to understand what that means, let's listen to, listen to these different voices in the psalm. Uh, there are four different voices. Uh, the first one is uh, the voice of the nations that we're going to listen to, and it's the voice of defiance. Uh, if you, I don't know if you looked at the news this week, you probably have, and you're probably asking what's going on in the world. Uh, there's wars, there's pandemics, there's riots, there's all sorts of stuff happening, all sorts of commotion. And uh, who's behind all of this commotion? There are lots of conspiracy theories out there, aren't there? Uh, is it the New World Order or the Freemasons or the extraterrestrials or the Vatican? Uh, who's behind this? What's really going on? And notice, notice here how this psalm starts. Look at verse 1. It says, Why do the nations rebel and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against His anointed one. So uh, things haven't changed much. David, King David wrote this about 3,000 years ago, this psalm. And not much has changed. The world's... The leaders are still conspiring and the kings are getting together. Uh, but notice uh, 
there's method to the madness here. There is a conspiracy happening that the, the powers have united together. But what for? Well, are they, are they, have they got together to bring world peace or to, to end the climate catastrophe? Uh, notice what verse 2 says. They've come together against the Lord and against his king. So all the hostility is going in, in one direction, against God and against his Christ. And then the question comes up, why, why is there all this hostility? Right, King, King David was wrestling with this 3,000 years ago. When, when David wrote this psalm, he probably wasn't aware how, how prophetic these words would turn out to be. Because uh, if you think about it in David's day, that Israel was a, was a minor uh, power in the, in the ancient Near East. It would have been laughable for, for someone like the king of Jerusalem to think he was a, a major player on the world stage. But what David describes here isn't, it's not just a localized rebellion, isn't it? It's not just contained in a small place. It's, it's worldwide. It's talking about all the nations coming together. So, so who is this king who has big enough shoulders to, to bear the rule of the world? Who is the one to, to subdue the human heart? Oh, it's not David. It's not Solomon either. It's, uh, it's the Lord Jesus, isn't it? No one, no one else can do that. Uh, Jesus is the Lord's anointed king. That's why he's called the Christ, isn't he? It's not his, not his last name, like my last name to Brown. Jesus Christ isn't his last name. It's a, it's a title. And it, uh, it comes from this psalm. Psalm 2 is about Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a messianic psalm. We don't have slides. Good. David said he mentioned he had slides. I'm glad we're not playing them because it would mix things up. But, uh, so why, the question comes, why, why does the world hate Jesus so much? All this hostility, all the nations banding together and coming against God and his anointed king. You know, think about it today as well. I, I remember I was down in, in visiting my friend. Well, it's up from here in, in Melbourne. Uh, and uh, he's an atheist, and I'd just become a Christian. And uh, it wasn't a few years ago. It was, it was about 10 years ago now, nine years ago or something. And I was visiting him there, and he said, you know, come out. He invited me out for dinner uh, with him and his mates, and they were atheists as well. And he said, come along, but make sure you don't mention Jesus or Tony Abbott. Uh, <laughs> Tony Abbott was understandable because he, uh, he was prime minister then. But, uh, you know, 2,000 years later, he doesn't want me to come along and bring up Jesus. Why, why are people so hostile to Jesus still? Have you noticed that? Notice when you bring it up in a conversation with people, uh, how it changes things, doesn't it? Most people are happy to talk about God in general or they're happy to talk about religion in general, but you bring up Jesus and people clam up and uh, they don't want to speak about it. Why is it that... Um, you know, when, when someone you know, is doing some work and they hit their finger with the hammer, does Jesus get the blame? It's not Buddha, is it? Why is that? Well, notice in verse 3, uh, it says, uh, The world sees God's reign as restraint. Here's the voice. Let us this is what they're saying. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. Uh, is the thing we like to think that that we're in control of our own lives, that I'm the master of my own fate and I'm the captain of my own of my own soul. I'm in control, and isn't that the great cry of the human heart? That uh, 
we want to get God out of the picture so that we think we can be free. We think that, uh, that, uh, that Christianity, that, uh, that this God of the Bible will uh, restrict us and we won't be able to live the lives that we want to live and do the things that we want to do. You know, but here's the thing. Uh, it was Solzhenitsyn who said last century, the great Russian author, that the reason why all those terrible things happened in Russia and in Germany was because that uh, people had forgotten God. Uh, God. God wants the best for us. He, he loves humanity. He's our creator, isn't he? Uh, he's the one who made us. He, he wants to be our friend. He doesn't want to be our enemy. He cares for us. And, and all his laws that he gives to us are out of love. He's the God of love. And his restraints are out of love. I remember when I was in, I was in Brisbane. I mentioned that earlier. And I was, I was at Ann Street Presbyterian Church. And David was up there. He was up there for about five years. And I was a student minister there with him. And, uh, and the church was on Ann Street. Some people called it St. Anne's. But it was on Ann's Main Street running through Brisbane. Busy street. And, uh, and one day I was in the, in the church office and I looked out the window and the kids were, there were a line of kids, probably about, I don't know, five or something, walking down the street and they had uh, ropes that were joining them together. They had a sort of harness around and then the next one was to uh, join and there was about, I don't know, ten or something of them walking down the main street and it was so cute. But it was for a reason, to stop the kids from running out into the road so they didn't get hit by, by a car. And in the same way that God gives us a cause of love, his law, uh, to stop us from, uh, from ruin. Not to ruin our lives, but to stop us from ruin. Uh, like the child who's, who's learning to, to walk and needs, needs help, needs restraint. Or, or the training wheels on the bike. You know, the kids need the training wheels that stop them from falling over. It's the same thing with God's law. In Hosea 11... You know, there's a picture of this, and it's like the Lord's pulling out the photo album, and he, and, he, and he says, Look, Israel, when you were a child, I drew you with cords and bands of love, but you didn't want them. You said, Get rid of these bonds, cast off these chains, and let us be our own gods. Let us be free from restraint. So there you have it, the voice, the voice of the nations. It's, the, it's one of defiance. And... Let's look now what God thinks about this. The voice, this is the next voice, second point, the voice of the Father. Notice in verse 4. So there's, if you've got your Bible, there's a sudden change of scene uh, here. And, uh, and we're given God's perspective, aren't we? We're, we're shot up into heaven. And what's, what's God's take on all this rebellion going on on earth? Well, notice what it says here. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Uh, it's because it's the, uh, the creature against the creator of this universe, the, the finite beings against the infinite God, the all-powerful God. It's, it's a joke. It's like uh, if a... This is... I don't know if this illustration will work or not, but uh, it's like a, a toddler trying to fight a, a grown man. You know... <laughs> A grown man would just laugh, wouldn't they? They you know, they would place the hand on the on the toddler's head, and the toddler would be there, you know, swinging furiously. It's uh, it's man versus God. It's it's laughable. It's a joke. It's a mismatch. It's like if uh, if Tassie declared war on China, 
Uh, all you can do is laugh. You know, remember the Tower of Babel in, in Genesis 11? The people banded together and they built a big tower up to heaven and they wanted to make a name for themselves and they, they wanted to get the glory. They wanted the glory to go to them and not to God. And what's God's response to this when they do that? What does he say? Well, he couldn't see that puny tower from heaven, so it says he has to come down and have a look. The tower is too small for him to see from heaven. So he came down, and what does he do? He scatters them. All their work is undone in a moment, and it collapses. See, human rebellion, it doesn't phase God. He's not phased by it. On earth, the, the powers are frantically planning and plotting to take on God and to get rid of his what they think is his restraint. Uh, they're taking their stand against God, but God is sitting on his throne in heaven. He's calm, isn't he? There's peace. The world's gone mad. But here's God. We get a picture of God on his throne in control. And he laughs. But God doesn't just laugh, laugh off human rebellion. It's not, he's not indifferent about it. Uh, he cares. He gets, he gets angry. It says, notice, uh, then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. Uh, he's angry enough to do something about it. Uh, see what the Father says. God the Father says in verse 6, he says, I have installed my king on my holy hill of, of Zion. That's not very, very democratic, is it? Uh, don't, don't we get a say in this? What about my vote? What if I don't want to accept God's choice of, ki of this king? What if I don't want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior? What if I don't want to be a Christian? Uh, can I just follow someone else? Can I pick my own leader? Well, no. There is no other way. There is no other name. Uh, because you see, Jesus is Lord by divine decree, uh, not by human choice. We didn't choose him. God chose him. When, the, when we vote, the people vote, we get a leader like Trump or Biden, who's not much better. But, but Jesus didn't hold a campaign. The votes weren't counted. We didn't choose him. God chose him. The Father chose the Son. He, he's the rightful king. And notice the Son is now speaking in the psalm. Let's listen to his voice. The voice of the Son is a declaration to us. Uh, notice in verse 7, uh, the voice changes. It says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. That's the Son of God speaking. Jesus is speaking. You know, Every time you gather together, Jesus is speaking to us uh, through his word. The king is talking. He's proclaiming to us even now. He's telling us here what the father said to him, what his father said to him. Check it out. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. When did this happen? When did this take place? Uh, when did Jesus become God's son? Uh, wasn't he always God's son? Well, the answer is yes. From all eternity, uh, Jesus uh, was God's eternal, was the eternal son of God. That's what it says in John chapter 1, doesn't it? The word, the word was with God and the word was God. And from all eternity, before the world was, before anything was ever created, the father said to the son in eternity, who shall I send? And who will go for us? And you can picture it. And the son said, here I am, send me. But uh, this declaration of him being the son also comes up 
at every major point in his life and ministry, at his birth. Remember, the angel told Mary, his mother, God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will be called the son of God. At his baptism, another major event in his ministry, God's voice was heard from heaven, wasn't it, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And straight after his baptism, remember what happened, the temptation. Uh, Satan takes him up to the mountain and tempts him and offers him all the kingdoms of the world. But Satan, they're not yours to give to Jesus. They're God the Father has already given them to the Son before the world was made. It's here in verse 8, isn't it, of Psalm 2. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. But for that promise to be fulfilled, Jesus must suffer and die and rise again. He must step down from his throne in heaven and humble himself to the point of death death on a cross, and then God raised him up. And Paul tells us about the resurrection in Romans uh, chapter 1. By his resurrection, he is declared to be the Son of God with power. He doesn't become the Son of God when he, when he, at his resurrection. He was already the Son of God. But his resurrection makes it obvious to the world that he is the Son of God. He rose from the dead. And now it says... God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by this man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Do you see what that means? You don't get to judge Jesus. I don't get to judge Jesus. Jesus is going to judge you. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. It's not Santa, it's the Lord Jesus who is the judge of all the world. God has crowned Jesus as the ultimate ruler of the universe. That's what Jesus himself is proclaiming to us here through this psalm, right here, right now. There is a day coming when he's going to conquer all the rebels on earth. Check out verse 9, Psalm 2. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. He will judge the nations. The first time he came, was in humility and to humble himself, wasn't it? And to die in our place for salvation, he came. The next time he comes will be to judge the world. In Revelation 19, we get a, we get a picture of this where it says, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of, of the fury of the wrath of, of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wonder, are you ready for that day? We don't know when it's coming. It could come at any time. Are you ready for that day? And this takes us to the last point, the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is calling for a decision. Psalm 2, verse 10. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. Here is the voice of the Holy Spirit pleading with us. Now, it's the voice of reason, isn't it? Uh, that's why the, the, the therefore is, is, is there. Uh, it's, it's, it's in light of everything that has just been said, all the voices that we've, we've just heard 
And now we're called to, to respond in the proper way. And it's to bow the knee to the Son. Uh, in view of everything we've just heard, use your head, kiss the Son. Well, what does that mean? That's what we started off asking. What does it mean to kiss the Son? Well, it's really simple, straightforward. It, it, it just means to, to submit to Him. That's what a, a kiss is. It's a sign of submission when you go into the, you know, the, used to go into the king's court and you'd bow the knee and kiss his hand or whatever. So it's a sign of a mark of surrender that you've, that you've, you're, you're surrendering to this king. And that means that all of us need to make a decision. You need to make a decision. Are you going to, to refuse this king? Or are you going to, to take refuge in him? Are you going to bend the knee to King Jesus? Or are you going to break under his wrath? That's what it says here, break in pieces. Well, the best thing you can do uh, is to lay down your arms and to surrender to King Jesus. Not because, not because you have to, but because he died for you. That because the one on the, on the throne stepped down and, and died on a cross for our sins. Uh, he could have broken us in pieces. Instead, he, he was broken for us. That's what happened when he was on the cr cross and the nails went into his hands and his, you know, he was, his body was broken in pieces. And he came down to make his enemies his friends, uh, not by lopping off our heads, which is what we deserved and what he could have done, but by hanging there on a cross and giving his life for us. So, so don't, don't, you don't need to run from him. You, you should run to him. Uh, that's what that song said, Jesus strong and kind. Great song, run. I can always run to Jesus. Jesus strong. Yes, he's powerful, but he's gentle and kind and he accepts anyone who comes to him. Notice how the psalm ends. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. What is a refuge? Well, a refuge is, is uh, somewhere you shelter in, isn't it, and it takes the hit for you. Uh, an umbrella is a refuge because it takes the hit. It gets wet, but you don't. Or a bomb shelter. Uh, the bomb shelter takes the hit, doesn't it? And you're safe. Well, Jesus is our refuge from, from the coming judgment and from, from the wrath to come. He takes the hit for, he takes the hit for us. He took the hit for you. There's a, there's a hymn called uh, The Hiding Place, which says... On him almighty judgment fell that should have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for his chosen race and so became our hiding place. Kiss the sun. Take refuge in him. Let him rule your life. He's Lord. Have you done that? Have you turned to him? Turned from, from sin and rebellion and, and surrendered your life to King Jesus? Do you, know, do, you, do, you, do you know him? Do you now trust in him? to rescue you from the coming wrath. Will you kiss the sun this Christmas or this Boxing Day? Let's pray. I uh, want to pray like a prayer of, I guess, commitment now, and then, and then we'll sing after that. So, yeah, would you, would you join with me in, in praying? Lord God, we thank you for providing a refuge for us in Jesus where, where rebels like me... Uh, can run and find safety and shelter. Thank you that because Jesus was broken, 
uh, we can be forgiven. Continue, Lord, to conquer our rebellious hearts and we pray that you would conquer many hearts of those in Hobart. Help us to run to you always and we pray this in Jesus' almighty name. Amen.